Welcome to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Robbinsville. Thank you for joining us. We trust that the teaching of God's Word will speak to you. Good morning again, church family. What an exciting morning it has already been. Let's continue to celebrate and to worship God in the Word. We are in the book of Ecclesiastes. If you're joining us this morning for the first time, um, we would love for you to turn to the book of Ecclesiastes. Most of the scripture will be up on the screen if you want to, but we strive to walk through scripture as the Holy Spirit wrote it and gave it to us. And so we're going through this book asking for God to impart to us his wisdom, wisdom for the realities of life. This book tells us the things that often as humans we really don't want to hear. But it's those, it's those hard truths that just says, let me put life back into perspective for you because you can really get lost in the day-to-day things that don't matter. And so we need this book and we need to soak it in. And so we're going to move through it. We're going to pick up where Ben left off last week in chapter one. And um, to kind of introduce the subject of today's text today, um, I want you, uh, I, I kind of want to ask you, how many of you tend to bring home a souvenir whenever you go out of town. Maybe it's vacation, okay, a few of us. Maybe it's vacation, maybe it's just a weekend getaway. Maybe it's when you go to a Braves game down in Atlanta. Maybe it's just a, uh, whenever you go to a festival. But um, some of us, whenever we go and do these things, we bring things home. It's, it's those knick-knack things. Maybe it's a coffee mug. Maybe some of you are the... Um, you're the magnet person. You're not going to spend a lot of money on, on vacation bringing stuff home, but you're going to bring home that magnet that goes on the refrigerators. There are a few of those here. A few of you, yeah. But then there's some of us. There's a few of us. I would lean a little bit more to this. If, if we make a memorable experience somewhere and I just see a hat that catches my eye, I find myself saying, I need that hat. I want to remember this moment, so I'm, I'm going to get that hat. And so I might come home with a hat. Any hat people here? A few of you? No? Okay, like three. All right. And then for all the rest of you, except for those that refuse to buy anything, but for the rest of you, you, you tend to go on some vacation. You go out of state, out of the country. You might go to Pigeon Forge, but somehow you always come home with a T-shirt, a hoodie, Getting away is just like, it's an, it's, a, it's an excuse to get something that you really didn't need, but you kind of just wanted. And so you, you come home, something to remember the experience. T-shirts are great, great ideas. So I want you to, as we open up this text, I want you to just imagine the Holy Spirit has preserved the testimony and the experience of Solomon. Solomon is, testif- Solomon is testifying to us. He's looking back and he's saying, you went on vacation for a week. I went for like four decades. This is my experience. And the Holy Spirit wants us, I think a good way to approach this text is to imagine him, just imagine Solomon testifying and he's telling all of us, before you go there, you need to understand that I have been there. I've been there a lot. You're going to go have fun. You're going to go do this. You're going to go do that. I I did that. I went there. I've been there. 
And before you go and do that and, and, and spend a bunch of money on that and trying to make sure everybody's happy and everybody has a good time and everybody makes a big memory, just imagine Solomon saying, I've done that. I did that a lot. And uh, before you invest in it, buy and just try to purchase your happiness or someone else's happiness, just imagine Solomon saying, I've been there, I've done that. I, I got the t-shirt. I came home with the hat. I got the magnet. I got the souvenirs. I got the coffee mugs. I have a lot of experiences. Because one of the things that we do before, sometimes before we go somewhere is is you might call up Jeremy Brown. He said, hey, Jeremy, I'm going out of town. I'm going to go to this place. Do you know anywhere good to eat? Jeremy's like, yeah. We really value people who've had these experiences because he can tell you where to eat and where not to eat. That's valuable, right? Sometimes you're, you're going to another state and you know somebody that's been there. Some of you just, just get on Facebook and you're like, look, I'm going out west. What I do? And everybody's like, oh, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. They're telling you, I've been there, I've done that, I got the t-shirt, I had a good experience. And then somebody's going to get on there and be like, don't do this, don't do this, waste the time, waste the money, we almost got killed. And you're like, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Solomon is testifying and the word of God is, is having us to look at his testimony and to just say, okay, all right. I don't want to make the same mistake that he made. We don't live in the time that Solomon lived in, but we can pursue the same things he pursued. And we're going to break this text into three sections and just look and say this. Here's Solomon saying this. My experience was a pursuit of the power of knowledge. I wanted to know all that I could know. My experience was a pursuit of pleasures and possessions of every kind. I went after it. I got what I wanted. I did it. I lived it up. You only live once. I lived it up. And then at the end of all of this, he testifies and says, really, when I look back, I was always surrounded by two kinds of people, either this person or this person. And so there's much to take away. And so it's here that I would love to ask you to please stand with me in reverence and honor for the reading of God's holy Inerrant, inspired, infallible word beginning in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 12. The Bible tells us, I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I set my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom concerning all that is done under heaven, this burdensome task God has given to the sons of man by which they may be exercised. I've seen all the works that are done under the sun. And indeed, all is vanity and grasping for the wind. Let's pray. Father, as we pause now to soak in your written word, preserve for us, let us see what Solomon did not see until the end of his life. Let us gaze and let us evaluate, not the hearts of others, because we can't do that. Only you can. Let us simply have the wisdom this morning to evaluate our hearts, our motives, why we do what we do and what we're chasing after. And help us, Lord, to have the perspective of life that you want us to see. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you. So simply put, Solomon said this. I hit this place in life 
I'm watching how everybody lives. I'm watching what they do. That's the exercising word that we read there in verse 13. I'm watching what people do to work and to busy themselves and to get through life. And he just says, man, everything's a burden. Everything is just hard. If you've had a hard week, Solomon's like, yeah, I get that. I saw that. And so I pursued knowledge. Was he trying to figure out how to relieve his own burdens or relieve the burdens of others? I think the text will start unfolding and showing us more of what was going on in his heart because it it seems that he could relate. He understood life is hard. We're in this broken world. We're under the curse of sin. He says, when I look at all that people are doing, it's all vanity. And the word vanity, remember from last week, is the word vapor. It's as if everybody is chasing the wind And they never catch the wind. And if they could catch the wind, it would be like grabbing a hold of a vapor. You can't get it. You can't control life. You can't control your tomorrow. You can plan for it, but you can't even guarantee that you'll be alive by tomorrow evening. He says, it's impossible, but everybody's working so hard as if it is possible. So he goes on to say this. He sums it up in one sentence. What is crooked cannot be made straight. And what is lacking cannot be numbered. Solomon is reminding us that the world is so broken because of sin. One man on this earth can't fix it. It's kind of like he's saying it would take an act of God to fix it. And it did, didn't it? And he's saying, if you look at everything that's lacking, if you look at everything that is wrong, all the sickness, the disease, and the terrible choices people make and the way people suffer... You couldn't begin to number it. You couldn't count it. By the time you finished counting, there would be so much more to count. You, wouldn't, you couldn't do it. So in summary right here, Solomon is looking back on his life and he's saying, here's what I want you to know. I used the wisdom that God gave me and I devoted myself to the power of knowledge. I wanted to understand all that I could. Maybe I could fix it. Maybe I could change it. Maybe I could relieve the burdens that people had, or at least my own burdens. Maybe I could guarantee a life without stress and a life of ease. So I devoted myself to the power of knowledge. Yet what he just told us in verse 15 is simply this. Yet the world's problems were not fixed. The wisest man on earth... The best architect, the best scientist, the the one who understood how everything works could not fix the world's problem. He couldn't straighten it out. He couldn't change it. So now he gives us an insight into why he pursued knowing all that he could know and understanding all that he could understand. He gives us insight into this time frame of his life. He says this, I communed with my heart saying, look, I've attained greatness and I've gained more wisdom than all. Than all who were before me in Jerusalem, I'm number one. My heart has understood great wisdom and knowledge. For in much wisdom is much grief. And he who increases knowledge increases joy, guarantees their success, promises their future. He says sorrow. So let's just pause for a moment right here in this time frame of Solomon's life and let's make sense of it. Solomon is saying, before you go there, before you devote your life 
to earning the best education that you could earn and figuring everything out, figuring out a way to make a million dollars in a year or or whatever because it's all over social media, right? You just need to understand I've been there. And I want you to think of it like this. Where I went was the best university in the world. It's like him saying I studied under the best professors. No one was taught more than me. I had the best education that money could buy. And I done that. I wasn't just the best in Jerusalem. I wasn't just the best in my class. I was the best of all time. No one had ever attained the amount of knowledge in how to do things than me. Just speaking from personal experience, the Holy Spirit wants us to see that. I made straight A's. I studied all night. I had the perfect GPA, and it's kind of like he's saying, when I wrote an essay, my essay became the textbook because I outsmarted my professors. I was the best. I was the wisest. I was the smartest. Well, Solomon, when that experience was over, what kind of, what did you get? He just told us in verse 18. He says, when I got my t-shirt, it was the diploma of sorrow. It's his way of saying, when I made the devotion of my heart and my life, knowledge, I'm going to figure this out. I'm not going to live like my mom and dad used to, sometimes people say. I had it tough growing up, so I'm going to. We want you to get an education. We want kids to go to school. We want them to do their very best. But we want to make sure our pursuits and our pushes are not overtaking what God might be calling them to do. Let me ask you a real serious question. If God called your child to one day go into a career that only made about 30000 a year, and they were very confident this is what God's calling them to do, Would you be okay with that? Would you be okay with that? We want to make sure we don't ever push the pursuit of what Solomon fell into. I want to figure it out. I'm not going to suffer in life. This world's so full of heartaches and it's difficult and I'm going to make sure I make enough so I know how to fix it. I'll never have problems. Just We just want to step back and hear him say, the more I understood about the world's problems, the more I realized I couldn't fix. And it increased my grief and my sorrow. Just soak that in for just a moment. But his testimony goes on. He continues to unravel more of what went on in his heart and where his heart went wrong. In chapter 2, Solomon really puts it simple. He says this, I devoted myself to pleasures and possessions of every kind. I wanted it all. If Amazon sold it, by jolly, I'm clicking on it. I'm buying it. If so-and-so down the street had it, then I'm going to get one. If that person in class or at school or at work drove one, I'm going to drive one bigger, better, and faster. I wanted it all. If they went there and had fun, I'm going there and having fun. He said, I wanted it all. In fact, he tells us pretty plainly, verse 3, I searched my heart. Whose heart? My heart. How to gratify my flesh with wine. If you could get it to drink, he says, I drank it. I wanted the best. Solomon says, I made my works great. I built myself houses. I planted myself vineyards. Nobody's house is going to be better than mine. Nobody was going to outwork me because he had the resources to hire whoever he wanted to. It's a powerful man. You got a nice garden, I've got a vineyard. 
you can't touch it, Solomon says. He goes on in verse 5 and he says, I made myself gardens and orchards and I made myself water pools to water them. I acquired male and female servants. I had greater possessions of herds and flocks. There it is again. Than all who were in Jerusalem before me. How do you know, Solomon? You weren't even alive back then. Don't matter. I got it all. You feel that. The heart of man, desperately wicked. This is, he was pursuing his passions. He goes on and he says, So I gathered for myself silver and gold. I acquired male, male and female singers, the delights of the sons of men. And I became so great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. When you read chapter 10 of 1 Kings, the Bible tells us that Solomon received, he made some deals with other kings in other countries, he received 666 talents of gold per year. That equates to about 50,000 pounds of gold per year. Today, that would be like you and me receiving $750 million to $1 billion annually. He could do whatever he wanted. Now look, we'll be honest. Let's all just be honest. How many of you, if you walked into work tomorrow and someone promised you, we're, it just told, we're, we're going to give you a raise. Would you want the raise? Would you want the raise? Who would turn down a raise? Come on, be honest, people. Be honest. Because when you think about getting a raise, your mind, our minds just naturally think, well, I could do a little more. I could have a little more. I could even give a little more. By all means. What we don't want to fall victim to, there's nothing wrong with the raise. What we don't want to fall victim to is just that idea of showing up Monday, I'm not getting paid enough. I deserve more. I deserve better. We can't afford that. If I would just get more, if I would just, if I would get a little bit more, then we could do that. We could go there and we wouldn't have these problems. Solomon's telling you, I had a billion dollars a year to get whatever I wanted. In fact, verse 10, he just says, look, whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. Imagine, he didn't have a cell phone. He didn't have a computer to thumb through all day, scroll through all day, click, click, boom, click, click, buy. You know? He says, I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my reward from all my labor. So we stop right here before we read verse 11. And we just, we want to hear him say, before we think we need that, I have to have that. Until I have that, I won't be happy with my life. Solomon says, let me tell you, let me just be real with you. Before you go there, I've been there. Where was there, Solomon? Wherever pleasure was available. If anything in the world was available for pleasure, Solomon says, I either went there or I sent money and they came to me. Before you do that, Solomon is saying, look, I done that. I seen it, I touched it, I ate it, I drank it, I built it, I bought it, I danced with it. Yep, I even slept with it. First Kings chapter 11, after it describes all of this wealth that Solomon has, and after it describes the queen of Sheba coming to Solomon because she heard about his knowledge, and she asked him every question that she could ask him, and 1 Kings 10 says he could answer all her questions. He could explain every answer in detail. It wasn't even hard for him. 
she leaves, and then chapter 11 says this. It says that Solomon loves many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. He loved them all, every size, every shape, every color. He loved them all. That's what the text says. From the nations of whom the Lord said to the children of Israel, do not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn your hearts after other gods. Solomon clung to these in love. Verse 3 of 1 Kings chapter 11 then says, And Solomon had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For so it was when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. You remember, David was a man after God's own heart. You just stop and you just think, Solomon, you missed it. But at the end of his life, some, in some way, he's saying, I got it. I look back and I saw it. He speaks to us with regret. He said, all of this got me the t-shirt. And it was no profit. I gained nothing, verse 11 says. It, prof it was all vanity. I was chasing the wind and I grabbed the wind and I couldn't hold on to it. I couldn't control it. It left him empty. It left him with nothing. So maybe we could sum, up, sum it up this way. Solomon is saying, I devoted myself to pleasures and possessions of every kind, yet all were temporary and none truly satisfied it's just sometimes we need those moments in life. You know, things go wrong and we can get upset. You get, a new scratch, you get a scratch on your car, you get upset. You drop your phone, you crack your screen, it's a little frustrating, right? You lose something. Anybody lose something this week? Just, you look for it. Where'd it go? It's frustrating. Maybe just a lot of things were challenging in your week. Solomon's like, hey, look, 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 look. It's temporary. It. It ain't going to heaven with you. It's, yeah, we don't want to just destroy things. We want to take care of things. That's a good, we want to take care of the church facility that God lets us meet in. At the end of the day, it's, it's temporary. Don't try to find permanent satisfaction in things that are temporary and eventually will rust, fade, corrode, or get eaten by moth. Last week, I opened up my closet and I tried on my black suit. And I'm like, man, there's something white on my suit. I can't get it off my knee. It's a hole. A blooming moth ate a hole in my suit. And I was like, I'm going to go get a Sharpie, color that in right there. And it's just, it's just like the Lord's like, it's just, it's just temporary. It, it, it really, it don't matter. If somebody's upset about a little, a little pea-sized hole in your suit, it's, it's, it's all right. It's, what's it matter? So the third dimension of Solomon's experience is, is this. I know it feels negative, negative, but he, you warned them last week. You just... It's, I want y'all to know it's everything. It's, I'm going against everything in my nature to not just stop right here and just give some big encouragement, you know. Like, let me just reach in here and grab something just uplifting. It's just, the text is not meant to depress us or discourage us, but it's just meant to be real with us because sometimes we can lose it when it's, things don't go our way. 
The third dimension of his experience begins in verse 12 of chapter 2. And it's really Solomon saying this. I look back and I realize there's only two kinds of people. There's the wise and there's the foolish. Verse 14, he just says it this way. The wise man's eyes are in his head. He sees where he's going. He got skills. She does her thing. He does his thing. They, they got their head on straight. They're doing pretty good in life. The fool, the fool gets you killed. The fool going to drop the hammer from the third story and hit you in the head. The fool is going to spill the hot, boiling grease all over you. The fool walks in darkness. The fool has no purpose in life. They, they're just wandering in darkness. He says, but then I realized it. The same event happens to them all. Both people die. And now for us, it's like, okay, it's nothing real new. That's, that's, we're aware of that. But for Solomon, I want you just to think what the text is saying. And maybe this applies to someone today. Maybe someone watching online for Solomon, he's saying, I went through life with such a devotion for my own happiness and pleasure, trying to figure everything out, learn all that I could learn, do all I could do. I was caught up in buying, building, and then all the other pleasures that we just read about. It never even dawned on him. Did he see a funeral and death? Yeah, all the time. It never even hit him. You may not be alive tomorrow. You can't guarantee that tomorrow you'll be sitting at home. He's just saying, don't be discouraged by that. Let that sink in. Live today as if it was your last. And he's not saying, quit work. (laughs) Just go run up your credit card, do all that you can do. He's just saying, don't let the momentary, temporary things of today rob you of the joy of standing before God tomorrow. The wise man and the foolish man will die. This week... A millionaire died. And then a guy who had zero pennies in his bank account died. This last week, there was, a, there was a young man that just graduated from business school. He was doing great. He had all these things. And he went on a hike. And he, the trail crossed the river. He drowned. It's just like, it just it, that's life. That's what he's trying to say. The same events happen to them all. And we can't predict or plan for when it's going to happen. So he says, before you get so caught up in life, making your kids happy, making your grandkids happy, or watch this now, making your parents happy. Don't live to make me happy. Live to serve him. What better, what joy to stand in the water with your child and to know that their name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. Money can't buy that. Make that our passion. So Solomon says, look, I've been there. Where'd you go? Wherever wise people and foolish people lived and worked. He says, I worked with people that, son, they were good at what they did. They knew what they were talking about. They could cut a stone. They could build it. You you just speak it. They could build it. I worked with guys that about got me killed. They couldn't do anything for about breaking everything. He says, I've been there. I saw them. I've watched one guy plant a vineyard, and I watched another guy plant a vineyard, and everything he planted died. He didn't know what he was doing. He says, I've been there. I was there. Willing to bet he got pretty upset at some of them. So he says, I've done that. I asked him, why are you doing that? What did you do that for? He said, I observed how they thought and what they did. And he says, I learned from this guy. And I tried to avoid getting killed by this guy. 
I observed it. I've done that. I've been around them. And he says, look, verse 17. When I came home with a t-shirt, he says this, I hated life. I hated all my labor. I hated getting up for work on Monday. I didn't want to go to work on Monday. I just looked forward to the weekend. I couldn't wait to get, he said, I just hated life. And you think, this is the most wise, powerful man. I don't know about you. Did any queens or kings come ask your, your opinion on anything this week? Nobody did mind. President call you this week? I wish he would. I'd tell him something. But Did NASA call anybody this week? I mean, this man had the whole world coming to him to learn. This man could build whatever. He said, I was miserable. I hated, life. I, hated, I hated waking up every day. Do you know that that's not God's will for your life? Somebody today, if you need to hear that, that is not God's will for your life. And I just, verse 24 gives us some good stuff. He says this in verse 24, nothing is better. When I look back, I just, I get it. Nothing is better for a man than he should eat and drink and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God. Solomon is telling us, my heart was in the wrong place the whole time. When you eat an apple, enjoy the apple because you enjoy the maker of the apple. When you sit down at dinner, it's not just, yeah, it, oh, this food is terrible. Can't you cook something better than this? Can't we go get steak? It's just, he says, sit down and enjoy the people that you're with. Those are the people God put in your life. Enjoy them. So be enjoyable to be with. Ask someone how your day was. Just talk. Talk and enjoy the presence of people and be thankful for what you have. He says, this is from God. When we enjoy God, we see everything with a different lens. We appreciate the life that he's given us. We don't have to compare our bodies or our possessions to anybody else. It's awesome. He says, verse 25. For who can eat or who can have enjoyment more than I? For God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is good in his sight. But to the sinner who's good in his sight, but to the sinner, sorry, he gives the work of gathering and collecting that he may give to him who is good before God. This also is vanity and grasping for the wind. Solomon is saying, I was the sinner. I was building, but really I was just gathering. I wasn't doing anything profitable. But to the person sitting here today or back then who wants to enjoy God, God says, it's available. Because if happiness was connected to all that you have, Solomon says in the top line, I had it all. I ate it all. I, I, I had every reason to be the happiest man on earth, and I was the most miserable. So let's pause here and let's wind down and just say, Lord, where then is the power of knowledge? Can, can we pursue our bachelor's, master's, and doctorate? Absolutely. Because God's calling you to do that. So God's just simply saying this. Think about it from Jesus' point of view in one verse. When he's praying to the Father, he, he says to us, here's the real power of knowledge. This is, this is eternal life that they may know you. The only true God in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Wherever you go and whatever you do as you're learning, keep knowing him as the main purpose of why you live and, what, and who you know. 
Lord, what about pleasure? Can we not have some pleasure? Because life is hard. It's hot outside. Absolutely. Pleasure, God gave it to us. Solomon's dad wrote it in Psalm 1611. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. God wants us to not go throughout our day and week disconnected from him. Lord, I'm sitting down in my office to do this. Let me do it for you and enjoy you. Lord, I'm about to pick up a shovel or a rake or a hammer and do this. Let me do it for you. Be pleased with my life. God says, That's, I'm with you. I'm doing life with you. Lord, what about people? Solomon saw the wise person and the foolish person. What about people? When Jesus sent his disciples out, With the power of the Holy Spirit, he said, you have everything you need to be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I'm sending you to an earth full of wise and foolish people. But I want them to see me when they see you. So just let's close with this right here. What perplexed me more than anything this week was if we could go back then and we could talk to the builders that worked for Solomon If we could talk to those that planted his vineyard, the dancers, the singers, and all the people that shared life with Solomon, would they say, man, after working for Solomon and being around Solomon all week, man, I just want to know God more. Or would they say, man, that guy, he don't care about anybody. He shows up for work every day, just get the job done, just he don't care. He, she just comes to school every day. Just do your work. Do this, do that. She don't care. If Solomon lived out his life today, would anybody want to say, Solomon, where you go to church? Where you, I see how you live your life and I want to go to church too. Or would all those people be like, man, wherever Solomon goes to church, I don't want nothing of it. Because that man is just hungry for his own pleasure. Let's close with a powerful quote. One life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. If the scriptures and the power of the Holy Spirit have challenged you or encouraged you today, I encourage you. Come to the altar, grab somebody after church, share it with somebody in the car at lunch today, what God is doing in your life. I'd invite you to please stand with me as we close now for this time of prayer and welcome the worship team back up. Father, it is here that we're reminded the wise man and the foolish man step into eternity. And they will either be with you forever in heaven or they will be separated from you forever in hell. Let the reality of death not discourage your people today, but inspire your people to love individuals, to pray for individuals, to not get so caught up in getting the job done or pursuing our pleasures that we miss people along the way that need Jesus and need the gospel. Let us see, Lord, with the eyes that you see with and let us not wait till we're at the end of life like Solomon was, but let it happen now. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you were encouraged by the teaching of God's Word. 
If you have questions or would like more information about our church, you can find us at www.robbinsvillefbc.org or call the office at 828-479-3423. God bless you and have a great day. 